Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Harry Gibbs. I'm a member at Browncroft and producer of the show. I'm joined by our hosts, Peter Engler, Director of Adult Ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, New York State Crew Director. Why God Why is a podcast where we are asking the 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. Today's topic is Why God Why are... Uh, relationships so hard. Uh, Zeb Huff is Ridgeland Community Church uh, pastor and our special guest. But before we get to them, uh, Peter and John, how about you introduce our question? So I met Zeb at Browncroft, what was it, two years ago? Yep. And uh, I just, Zeb has become a great friend. I love seeing him. We, we get together for coffee. But the reason why I love Zeb answering this question is, he has experience with relationships that are very, he's not just a pastor, but he's done addictions counseling. Actually, right now he's a bivocational pastor and he'll probably share a little bit more about that. Uh, just his whole career has been about relationships. And I'm thinking about our listeners, you know, there's this thought of why should I commit myself to relationships this idea of boundaries and things like that. And I think Zeb's going to bring a very unique and powerful perspective. Yeah. I, I don't think there's many topics that are more relevant than the topic we're discussing today, just in people's lives. I, I was reading this afternoon, uh, something by, uh, Francis Schaeffer, who was a philosopher of the 20th century. And that just makes me seem really smart just because I said that. But anyway, uh, he said, one of the greatest things that Christians can do is answer honest questions with honest answers. Mm. And, um, I, I, that's what I'm really looking forward to today, because I think that this question, why are relationships so tough is an is an honest question that people are really asking out there. They're really desperately seeking for that answer, and I'm excited to explore it a little bit and to give the most honest answers that we can. And Zeb is a great guy to have in here, so welcome Zeb to the podcast. Thanks, happy to be here. Yeah. So Zeb, uh, you know, before we get into some of the topics, uh, give us your background of your career. You know, just. You've worked a lot in the social sector. Um, help us understand how relationships play out in your job, and then we'll, we'll get to some specific questions. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Peter, you, you said it best. My whole career for the last 15 years has been about relationships. At the core of everything that I do, it's relational. And, um, you know, as I've watched relationships play out, as I've watched relationships grow, as I've watched relationships absolutely demolished, uh, it's given me pretty unique uh, insight into into what works and what doesn't work and why this thing we call relationship is actually so difficult. Mm. Yeah, so... You know, obviously there's, when we look at that term relationship, it can be kind of loaded. So sure. you got, you got romantic relationships, you got friendships, you have just people that, you know, you're, you hang out with that you might not call your inner circle or whatever for the, for the, the purpose of today's podcast, let's kind of take it like, let's put the romantic one aside sure. for today, just because we'll be real specific here, a little laser focused with the relationship. Uh, you know, there's obviously crossover here, but what do you think are one or two of the biggest 
maybe hangups that people have in relationships? Why are they so tough for people? Sure. So I've given this a little bit of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if I were to bring it, break it down to just two, mm. uh, it would be uh, top. We are just uber busy. Mm. Uh, we, we have all the excuses at our disposal to never, ever invest in anything. Um, and so we're, we're busy and it's, it's a easy excuse, too easy at times. The second thing is we as a society, as a culture, as an age, uh, are just so afraid of intimacy and vulnerability. Mm. Um, and, and, and when you, when you think about those two things, intimacy and vulnerability, without them, any relationship, whether it's romantic, familial, church community relationships, any, any relationship becomes impossible if we're not willing to be intimate and vulnerable. Man, there's so much to unpack in that. Holy cow. I think you're so right. But yeah. So let's, let's, let's take that one okay. first. Intimacy, vulnerability. Where do you think some of that those roots go? Like what we're like if we dig underneath there a little bit and we look for the roots, mm-hmm. like what are some of the roots that that cause us to be so afraid? Mm. That's a good question, John. <laughs> you see that that's uh that's pastor 101 yeah, yeah. whenever yeah. someone asks you a hard question, you my, just say that's a good question. You know, my wife would say that's counselor 101. Yeah. So I'm just saying, <laughs> okay. you know. Maybe it's people occupation 101. <laughs> All right. Stalled enough. Yeah. Uh I think if 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 you talk about uh why we're scared of vulnerability, you have to Brene Brown helps us out with this, right? Mm. Um, you have to look at sort of the root of vulnerability. Vulnerability means woundable. Mm. And we're taught in this day and age to be strong, to be unwoundable. Uh, and so it is very countercultural to be to place yourself in a position where you're woundable. Yet relationship demands that you place yourself in a place where you're woundable. Mm. Uh, you have to sort of, um, one of my elders uh, said it, the best the other day. You have to give up your right to be right. And that's what vulnerability is all about. It's it's giving up my right to be protected, my right to be right. And that's just countercultural. It goes against everything we learn. It goes against everything we're taught. And to convince anybody that this is actually the secret to really deep and well uh, well-grounded and well-rounded relationships, they think you're crazy. Mm. But it's true. So I, I guess I, I'm curious because I can hear older generations say individualism is what ruined all relationships. But I, I guess my struggle with that was your loyalty to the man didn't really help us because the man ended up, you know, am I allowed to say screwed us over? Like, you know, <laughs> it's your podcast. Uh, well, no, it's your podcast. <laughs> oh, too, that's but, true. Yeah. That's but true. like, you know, so I grew up in Binghamton, you know, where IBM was and mm-hmm. everybody put a ton of trust in IBM only to have IBM leave. And so I think of what you just said, it's really, really nice, but we live in an individualistic society. Sure. I'm going to lose something. And then on the other hand, well, I'm not committed well, when I do commit, I'm going to be ruined. I mean, how do you respond to that kind of cultural instinct and idea of where we are right now? Oh, that's good. 
I, I don't think individualism necessarily ruined us because you're right there. And, and we've seen it play out over and over again in his, in history, right? You, you have the romantic age where we thought that uh, the human mind and logic was the key to everything. And that ended in the crusade. So that went bad. Uh, and then the industrial age where we, where we put our, our loyalties to in, into these, um, in, into industry, into the man, as you as you say, you know, and and that went bad. So I think that there's there's sort of a rugged individualism that we've come to, and I think that there's there's there is something holy about that. But we sort of threw out the baby with the bathwater because we were created for community, and so in there somewhere is this need and desire for community that has nothing to do with what it what it profits us you see up until this point all community kind of has been based around what it profits us you know industrial it and we have to sort of let that go because the truth is if you live with a person long enough any person any relationship that relationship is going to fail you and we have to accept that like if you're going to be in a relationship you just have to accept the fact Mm -hmm. that you're going to be hurt by relationship and that that's how it is because we're human beings we're imperfect number one number two uh we have unrealistic expectations of each other and we all tell bad bad stories Mm. Uh, we just do um and so because of those things you're going to be hurt by people and so to the instinct that says i can't be loyal and i can't commit to the man because the man keeps letting us down I, i say you're absolutely right, but you have to find some people, your people, your tribe, that you that are worth being let down, uh, that are, that are worth the pain, that are worth the suffering, um, because when you find that, it's gold. Uh, when you find your tribe, um, it's it's magic. Erwin uh, McManus, good guy to read, he says, if you want to go far fast, go tribe, and what he means by that is. If you want to be, a, if you want to advance in this world, and you want to get there and reach your full, full potential, find your tribe, find those people that are worth hurting for, and who are going to stick with you because you're going to hurt them, and invest there. Well, let's take this from the theoretical to the practical, if we could, a little bit. And so, because this is a reality, I think we could all probably look back in our lives and point to specific things and. And the vulnerability piece leading to the ability for us to kind of feel pain, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. how about for you? Like, have, have you experienced that in your life? Like moments where you were vulnerable and it, and it actually hurt because you were vulnerable. I'd be lying if I said I had all of this stuff mm-hmm. figured out. I, I think that one of the great lies that we tell ourselves is that there's a, there's a destination. Mm. Um, the destination is the process. Mm. We're all growing. We're all we're all getting over something. We're all going through something. And so, to answer your question, absolutely, I've been hurt. I mean, I've been I've been hurt by pastors who I thought were mentors. I've been hurt by bosses who I thought were friends. I've been hurt by friends who I thought were lifers. Mm. Um, and you know. To go further than that, how do you pick yourself up from that mm. and and continue to to kind of be on this mission to figure out 
what healthy and whole relationships are in this world, it it it, it comes down to a deeper hope um, that you got to cling to. You you got to have a deeper hope that there that there's something better. And for me, it's it's that hope has been my community. Um, and when I say community, I don't mean local community. I mean those guys, uh, those guys in my life. There's four of them, by the way, who've just been there since no one knew my name. Mm-hmm. And you know, whether they're on the West Coast or they're down south uh, in Georgia or they're in Niagara Falls, wherever they are, they're my buds. And when life hurts, they're the people I call um, because I know that they know Zeb before anybody else knows Zeb and they're going to give me perspective and perspective is, is what we need. Cause what I said earlier, we all tell really, really bad stories. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I guess how I keep going is the relationships that are healthy and whole are what I, uh, are what I rely on. So I guess, I guess I'm curious because, you know, I'm wondering if our listeners are like, how do I get my four? Mm. Like how, you know, I'm busy, you know, and relationships are hard. You know, I don't want to invest, you know, a year into something. And we're not even talking about dating. We're just talking about like a friend, a friend, yeah. you know. So what suggestions do you have? What practical tips do you have about that? Well, absolutely. So I'll, 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 I'll answer it this way. We are constantly, as a society, being told what we have to do. There's just a plethora of voices coming at us, giving us all the things in the world that we have to do. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do this. And if, if, if you want to get practical, pause all the voices and ask yourself, what is it that brings me joy? What is it that I want? Because in those places where you find joy, in those places where you find life, are where you're going to find your four, um, or or your three, or your. In my wife, she has one, so um, that's that's where you're going to find it. And what I would say on a practical note is get intentional about making those those places that give you joy, that bring you life. Get intentional about putting those things on your calendar. Because we all live accelerated lives. We all live busy lives. We all are have crazy boundaries. We, we all have communication issues. And those, those things are hurdles that we all grow through. But none of that happens unless we get intentional about, about being places and doing things that bring us joy. And in the process of being places and doing things that bring us joy, you find people who align with what you align with, who resonate with what you resonate with, who sing the heart, the same heart song that you sing. And that's your tribe. Like, and and when you find these people, you put them on your calendar, you get intentional about, you know, I, I, my, my friend who lives on the West coast, we video chat every other day and it can be a 15 minute video chat. And sometimes it's a four and a half hour video chat, but he is on my calendar. We do that and we're intentional about it. Uh, because he's busy and I'm busy and it doesn't happen unless it gets on the calendar. So how did you meet those four guys? Like you're talking about that joy and, <laughs> and pursuing that. Like how did that, how did your tribe come to be? I'll tell you about Charles. Uh, Charles is my friend on the West Coast and 
he and I were youth pastors together. Uh, again, doing things and being places that bring you joy. Our 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 hearts were um, were and always have been uh, about the next generation and raising the next generation um, to be followers of Jesus Christ. And so we we met up uh, in in a peculiar way. Uh, he actually um, we were at a youth conference and we both have a, had a delegation of, uh, of youth. And he actually caught one of my youth, um, going outside the boundaries of what the youth were supposed to be doing. <laughs> and so he brings my youth to me with this awkward conversation that we now have to have as to, and it just turned into, uh, from, from an awkward conversation, it turned into a, a whole evening. We sat next to each other and we just started talking and our, experiences lined up and, and those kinds of things. And one conversation led to another conversation. And then I had him over to the house. He had me over to his house. We started to do th- like our youth groups got together. And it, at that time he was in Schenectady, New York, and I was in Syracuse, New York, but mm. like we, we made it happen. Um, and over the years, it's just, I, I call him my brother and he calls me his brother. It's, it's one of those things where we just kept, investing mm. and 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 i think that that's that's what happens so zeb huff is a ridgeland community church pastor and he's our guest here on why god why are relationships so tough um i want to transition us a, a little bit maybe back uh i suppose closer to the theological theological side of this question um in your experience uh certainly currently as a pastor uh does the experience of having a relationship with God mean you automatically are gifted with healthier relationships? Absolutely not. <laughs> I wish it would be wonderful if I accepted Jesus and automatically became a good friend. Uh, it just doesn't happen that way. Oh, darn. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I, I think, speaking as a pastor, I think that having a relationship with Jesus um is a, our relationship with Jesus sometimes is a reflection of how well we we are in relationship with other people if we're intentional about being in relationship with other people i find it for me personally a little easier to be in relationship with Jesus um and, and it's it, it's an odd correlation you you would you would think it works the other way around like the more holy i get the more uh you know into people i get but Really, I think that uh, Jesus Jesus says it well when he says, "Whenever you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me." It's that it's that human connection that leads us into a deeper relationship with Christ. And any any Christian without human relationship, I I, I wonder how they do that because I don't know how to get to God if I'm not getting to God outside of community, inside community. Does that make sense? Mm. I'm going to go to a fun place. So we'll see if it's fun. So I think something that I notice about our culture, excuse me, is like there's certain like Mm non-negotiables that we think are like liabilities. So, you know, if, if I'm a progressive Democrat that loves AOC, I might have like 50% of my life in common with a Trump supporter, but because they're a Trump supporter, 
I am not going to spend time with them. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm a Trump supporter with a MAGA hat, I'm going to sit there and say like AOC. And again, we're not talking about the character. We're just trying to kind of say we live in this polarized society. Mm -hmm. What do you think Jesus says in the midst of those situations and in the midst of that? And how should that frame how I look at other people? That's an excellent question, actually. I, I think that one of the lies that our society, our, our our culture sort of sells us like wholesale is that we can't be in close relationship with people we disagree with. And, and to that, I think scripture in, in general just, just says, uh, uh-uh, it's, it's a, it's a lie, true lie of the devil. I'm, you, you talk about Jesus and, and I love, obviously I love Jesus. We all love Jesus, <laughs> but Jesus is a prime example of this. The people that Jesus hang hang out hood, hung out with, not hang hood, whatever, hung out <laughs> with, are were Pharisees, and we all know that he disagreed vehemently with Pharisees, but he hangs out with them anyway. Why? Because the whole purpose of human connection is not to to be exactly the same; it's to disagree better. It's to be in a relationship where you can be vulnerable, where you can say, you know what? I think you're dead wrong. And here's why I think you're dead wrong. And, and when, you're, when you have those kinds of conversations, you rub up against each other and you both come out sharper. Isn't that what the Proverbs say? Like as iron sharpens iron, so one man to another. Like that's, you don't get sharper by hanging out with the same dull brand that you are. Like, that just makes everybody in the whole shop duller. Um, so that, that's what I would say. So how does that work? Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to flesh this out a little bit. So how does that work when, when you're trying to find your tribe, but your tribe, do, they, do you have to have the same like w- core passion, but that means you have different ways of seeing the world or, or how maybe even practically, how's that work out for you? Like in your group of friends? Sure. I, I should, I should answer that by saying that one of my four, I'm an evangelical pastor, but one of my four friends, I, a brother I call my tribe is homosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about it a lot. He's the, he's the one person in my life that I feel safe having the conversation with mm-hmm. because he, because I, just because I don't understand his lifestyle, it's not even that I disagree with his lifestyle. I don't understand it. It just doesn't compute to me. And I can be honest to him with him about that. And how we met is his, his kid went to the same school as my kid. Again, it was a place where I wanted to invest. We, we got together, we started cycling together. I, I like to, I like to cycle. He likes to cycle. And through the course of a relationship, developing relationship. I found out who he was and what's, what what his lifestyle was like. He found out who I was and what my lifestyle was like. And neither of us were what we had stereotyped the other should be. And that intrigued us both. And that's led to just a wonderfully life-giving, um, life-giving relationship that I wouldn't trade for the world. And so, no, you don't have to agree on, on on lifestyle you don't have to agree on anything you just have to be willing to be honest about where you are mm. and, and, and 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 humble enough to admit that you know what i don't know if i'm right or wrong here 
but I I want to have that conversation with you. Wow. So so Zeb, I I kind of want to latch onto that because you know I think the stereotype for evangelical Christians is like so we talk about this tension of grace and truth, mm-hmm. and with your friend um, that's a homosexual, like you know. I know people in my life that they'd be like, you've got to lead with the truth. Mm. You know, you've said you're an evangelical Christian. I've got to lead with the truth. And so I guess I'm just kind of curious because if you flesh that logic out, like at some point your truth, quote unquote, is actually wrong about something Mm -hmm. or the person's not ready to hear it or, and so I'm just kind of wondering you know, how does that look as you share that theologically? How does that look? You know, because the other thing, too, that I'm wondering, too, you're telling him, hey, I'm an evangelical pastor. It's not like he's like, I wonder what Zeb believes. No. But um, but no, I'm just kind of curious because I think a lot of people feel almost an anxiety to get truth out. And I think that that affects their relationships. Sure. Actually, it was very anxiety provoking um, once because I didn't lead with I'm an evangelical pastor. I I led with I'm Eden's dad. And all I knew that was that I was Eden's dad and he was Abigail's dad and you know, we we hung out, we uh, got to know each other. He moved to Georgia. I went to visit him in Georgia. And it wasn't until we were like 6 to 8 months into the relationship that I found out that he was homosexual. Now he had obviously known that I was uh, that I was evangelical, but he just looked at me one one time when we were we were together, and he said, "So I have to ask you, why are you hanging out with this heathen? I'm going to hell, uh, according to what you think." Mm-hmm. And I I just I don't understand our friendship, and I'm at a place where I I I want to know what you actually think, and like my throat got all like. And the only thing I could think was, I got to tell you the truth. And the truth was, dude, as a person, I love you. And I, I think Jesus loves you too. And I'm a sinner. And I think you're a sinner too. And I don't think you're a sinner just because you're gay. I think you're a sinner because we're all sinners. Um, and he sort of had the same chuckle. He he just laughed and he said, so, so that's your, that, that's your logic. We're all going to hell. And I said, no, I don't think we're all going to hell. I, I, I think that, I think that Jesus came just kind of set us free and there's free. He, he, he promises over and over again that there's freedom and abundance. And that's what I've found. And in that sharing of the gospel, he says for the first time, I think if I can find a preacher who says it like that, I can go to church. And I'll tell you that I've been friends with him. Uh, my daughter's nine. I met him in kindergarten. I've been friends with him for about four years now. And Easter Sunday this year was the first time he went to church. And I just know that God's doing something in his heart. I've said that to him. I, I, obviously, I wouldn't say anything uh, on here that I haven't said to him. But I've said that to him, and I just see God working. Grace works when not necessarily we lead with grace or truth, we, but we lead like Jesus led with love. Like that, that's where it is. And I think if, if we could just kind of put all of our stories aside, because truth is we're all just guessing here. I mean, 
I hate to tell everybody, but we're doing our best <laughs> to guess. And if, so if we could put our stories aside and say the one thing we know is that you are truly loved by the universe creator, God. And so am I. And that's our starting ground. The ground gets a whole lot less rocky. Um, and you're able to say, you know what I've been taught is this. This is, how I, this is how I interpret what the scriptures say. And they're able to say, well, I don't buy it. And you're able to say, I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's, it's a conversation and it's done in the context of relationship. When we try to do theology outside of relationship, friends, it doesn't work. Man, there's just so much in what you're sharing there that I think is, is deep and really worthy to just kind of mull over a little bit and just let it kind of like sink in, you know, because I think there is, there are these different, so, so you, you have your tribe, right? Mm -hmm. But our society is kind of getting extremely tribal in a negative way as well in that it's like, we're, we're supposed to be quote unquote at war with this other group of people, like Peter was saying, like, sure. you know, Trump and AOC or your, your illustration there about the gay community and Christian community, you know, you're not supposed to, to get along like that. You, your illustration should not happen. Sure. I, I've been told that actually. <laughs> yeah. According to a lot of people, right? Yeah. It, like you should not, that should not happen. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but yet you're willing to be vulnerable and your friend is willing to be vulnerable. Um, and that's led to something really, really remarkable. Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool to see. Have you had any other conversations? Uh, th this story is just kind of fascinating for me. So I'm just want to delve into it a little bit more. Ha have you had any conversations that were pretty volatile between you guys? Like that oh, yeah. was like really tough. I, I mean, <laughs> He's a Patriots fan, so oh, yeah. Oh Lord! Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. I mean, my Jesus be with him. <laughs> Jesus be with him. My oh. son's a Patriots fan. That's, uh oh, oh, I don't want to get into it. It's fine. I yes. love him. I love him though. He's my son. Yeah, uh, yeah. We we have had really hard conversations around around not so much not so much me, but the. The, the people I identify with, evangelicals, the church. And I, I mean, I've been equally pretty critical of the people that, that he identifies with, with the LGBTQ community, um, just because I, I think that we do live in a really polarized world. And we all say, like all of our groups, uh, if you will, just tell lies on each other. And so... To, you know, when I read an article about uh, the gay community saying that all Christians are bigots and those kinds of things, I take that stuff personally. Like, not all Christians are bigots, just like not all gays are bigots. I mean, we're all people. And, you know, it, 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 there, there, there does come, this, when you're actually vulnerable, there does mm -hmm. come this need almost instinctively to be defensive, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so when, when, when he says, you know, the church is the, the church is is a bigot like i get defensive and i defend my church cuz mm. the church may be a lot of things but it's 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 not what they say we are mm. um and 
usually those those conversations end with let's let's pause because uh, we're both counselors. So. Oh, well, that works. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it is. Let's pause. I feel like we're just way too emotional about this, and and, and let's let's just make some space happen. So, um, and we give each other the grace to do that, and that usually solves most of our issues. <laughs> so, Zeb, um, <clears throat> you know, I I, I walk this. You know, we've already gone to one controversy, and actually, uh, Harry's looking at me. We're, we're going to let this podcast go a little bit longer because it's so good. And so if you listeners, this is Peter's fault. Um, <laughs> I know that you've done a lot with Martin Luther King Jr., mm-hmm. and um, I know that you're, you know, I mean— you're an African-American and you're here. I am. And, you know, why are relationships so hard? I just kind of feel like from your perspective, mm. I think it's important to answer that question. And I don't want us as a podcast to run from that. I mean, we've already handled the LBGTQ issue. We might as well talk about this issue. I feel like it's important for you to speak some life into that on maybe where the church and Christianity has handled it wrong and where you see it handling right. Because mm. you're still defending the church, and I'm sure there's a lot of pain there, too. Oh, absolutely. I think that, oh, that is, that that's almost harder for me um, than, uh, <laughs> than, the other, uh, than the other topics, just because I live in both of those worlds. And so I'm not a, I'm not a black guy and, that's a friend with a pastor or a pastor that's a friend with a black guy. I'm, I'm, I'm both of those things. And so I've seen and felt all sides of this uh, issue. And the, the truth is vulnerability is the ability to say, I'm not right and I don't have to be right, and you're not right, and you don't have to be right, but here's what I am. And I, I think if I, can, if I can pinpoint just one, one place where sort of the evangelical church has sort of gotten it, gotten it wrong is, is a harsh word for me to use, but maybe it's misguided, is... We have not come to a point where we say it, where, where we said we're not right or wrong. It, you, you get some of the church, especially the white church, that says we're wrong and the the black people are all right, and you know it's time to pay reparations and do all that kind of stuff. And I I think that that's not in in alignment with Martin Luther King's "I Have a Dream." Like that's not his dream. His dream is not for the paradigm to to shift so that African Americans become the the oppressors. It, it is this this tenuous place, this this precious and sacred place, where where both parties say, you know what, anger and violence have gotten the best of us, and we're sorry, and pride and and protection have gotten the best of us and we're sorry and neither of us really know what this is supposed to look like so can we just come to a neutral table and and create something different um because i just want to nothing that we've done in the past as america 
as, as the black church or the white church, nothing that we've done has worked so far. I mean, I hate to say it, the civil rights movement got a lot of things moving, but it didn't do it right. We haven't done it right. We have to find something new. We have to be bold enough and creative enough to, to be vulnerable with each other and say, let's create something new. What does it look like to be the church? Because I got news for everybody. Jesus is not coming back for the black church or the white church or the Spanish church or the Cuban church. He's coming back for the church. And we've got to do a better job at figuring out what the church looks like. Zeb, we'd like to conclude every podcast with one final question. And uh, fortunately for you, we let Peter and John go first. So you sound super smart by the time you get to answer. So. I think Zeb is super smart. He's way smarter than me, so it's, it's cool. It's, it's, uh, it's a very good thing for him to go last in this case. So what we ask is uh, we just try to get uh, Jesus uh, directly into the conversation and uh, see what he would teach us, what, how he would answer why, God, why are relationships so hard? So I let Peter and John fight out who goes first. I think Zeb said it all. And I think the only thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to read Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, and throw it to John. Um, Follow God's example, you know, in Jesus, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I think that's all I got to say. Man, how do I how do I follow that? Just quote the Bible and then drop the mic. What am I supposed to do after that? <laughs> mic I don't drop. know. Drop. Yeah. So, uh, no. I mean, for me, as as you're talking, Zeb, just this one constant thing is is in the back of my head as I think about a lot of the people that I know, and it goes right back to the beginning of the Bible. You know, God created everything perfectly, and there was just one human being on the planet. And before anything else happened, he said that one thing was not good and it was not good that that one person be alone. Yeah. And um, I think that same truth is still true today, um, that it's not good for any one of us to be alone. And uh, what you're talking about is such valuable stuff because it's the process of us embracing that and working beyond the discomfort of the reality that it's going to take effort to get to that other spot, Mm. but it's worth it in the end. So that's just what I was thinking about. And so I, I get to answer that now. You get to answer that. You both stole my, my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think just to add to that, it would be James, uh, James's admonishment to not forsake the fellowship Uh, of believers as some are in the habit of doing Uh, we live in a culture that is extremely extremely isolating we we glorify isolation almost Um, and i just want to echo what 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 we've said around the table don't don't give it up because it's it's our birthright it's actually our birthright to be in relationship and to experience god in the relationship uh, that we have here on earth Seb Huff, thanks for joining us on the Why God Why podcast. Thanks for having me. 
If you have any questions or you'd like uh, Peter and John to address a specific question and want to comment on the show, you can check us out at whygodwhypodcast.com. Thanks for listening.